Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps and sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And with that, today we're excited to be joined by Claire Marr, a registered nurse and a system clinical value improvement coordinator at Ballot Health, who has channeled personal loss into her work to provide COVID-19 vaccinations to more than 1,000 patients. In a moment, we'll discuss that and more, but first, welcome to the program, Claire. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate you making some time for us today. And so to begin with, let's establish a baseline here. We invited you to join the podcast after reading some news coverage about your work at Ballad to personally vaccinate more than 1,000 people, and I imagine that that number has grown from there. Now, as a nurse providing vaccinations, I would imagine is probably part of the job description, but your mission, as I understand it, is also inspired by your late grandmother who passed away last spring due to COVID. So if you would, to start with, can you tell us just about your grandmother, what kind of person she was, and how her memory inspires your current work? Yes. I would love to talk about my grandma. My grandma, Britta, was, she was an amazing person. Um, she was a strong woman. She broke norms in her day. She, as a young woman, joined the Women's Army Corps during World War II, even though her fiancé threatened to break up with her. Wow. Because, yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, and he did. He broke up with her. The way she tells the story, when they got back to the United States, she says, you know, I got back at him. I married him. And uh, and so that's the love story of my grandparents. But she also had a bachelor's degree. She worked for the Cornell University Extension Office in New York, um, teaching life skills in the community there. She also um, taught adult education classes in my home state of Ohio and volunteered in the community. And, and to me, she was an amazing grandmother. She was loving. She was enthusiastic. She was positive. There was, you know, always a freezer full of ice cream. Um, she had a closet full of board games. She had a thing for George Clooney, and she would knit me hats and scarves and potholders. Um, but as a child, she helped enlarge my world. She took me to museums, parks, libraries, and, and anytime I thought about seeking more education, um, she was right there to encourage me and always, you know, told me, to, yes, if you're thinking about getting a degree, if you're thinking about enrolling in a program, you should do it. Um, and so when she passed away, she was living in um, an assisted living facility. But whenever I would come to see her, um, you know, she was always so proud of me for choosing nursing as a career. And she would point that out um, to anyone who came into her room. She would point to me and she would say, she's a nurse. She's a nurse. And then when I left for the day, which, you know, it always happened at mealtimes because uh, mealtimes are very important when you are in assisted living. Um, but she would say, you made my day. Or if I had my kids with me, she would say, you made my week. And so she was the kind of person that helped me recognize, you know, my worth and contribution to the world and encouraged me to seek education and opportunities to increase that impact. 
Well, she sounds like quite a woman and a real individualist and and iconoclast in her own right. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. you sharing those memories with us. Um, Let's chat a little bit more about your vaccination work. For the benefit of our listeners, vaccinations for COVID-19 began in Virginia in mid-December, starting with healthcare professionals. They've now expanded to include other eligible Virginians, including older adults, vulnerable people, and essential workers. The two approved vaccines now available are the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which must be stored at ultra-cold temperatures and administered in two doses several weeks apart. Soon we expect vaccines from Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca to be approved, which should help expand the available supply, which truly is one of the biggest challenges right now, which is supply availability. And so there really is more demand for vaccine from what we're seeing uh, among patients and the public than there is supply right now. Virginia is only getting about 100, 110,000 doses per week. And so obviously the supply has an impact on the number of doses that can be administered. So that's the big picture view. But Claire, I'd love to, if you can help ground this conversation with your personal experience by sharing some of the sights and sounds and even the patient responses you've seen and heard while administering those 1,000 plus vaccine doses. What number are we up to right now? Um, We are up to 1,630 documented through Ballot Health and then additional, I'm not sure how many, um, in conjunction with the Department of Health. So probably around 1,700 would be my estimate. That's an impressive Um, tally. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, every dose that we give prevents or could potentially prevent a family from experiencing a loss. And so that's what drives me to do this work, because it is making a measurable difference for our city and for our region, and it is a privilege to be part of the work. In my experience now, I have uh, given vaccinations in three settings. I've given vaccinations to um, healthcare workers in a hospital-based vaccination point of delivery. I've given vaccinations in a community vaccination center through Ballot Health, and then also with the Sullivan County, Tennessee Health Department um, at a mass vaccination site at the Bristol Motor Speedway. So it's been amazing to serve all of these different populations. Nothing, I think, will compare to the early days, the very first days when we had vaccine available for our team members who had been working directly with COVID patients. Um, It was just, you could feel the sense of relief, the sense of anticipation when everyone came in. Everyone, even if they had to wait, they were all so grateful to be there. And people shared a lot of things while we were waiting for the alcohol to dry because, you know, they come in, we verify who they are, we verify their name and date of birth and that we have the correct site and, and all of those things. And then as the alcohol dries, we talk. So, you know, I, I cared for a man who had lost his mother to COVID the previous week, um, a nurse who had lost a patient to COVID every day the week that he was vaccinated, a nurse who had worked shift six of six in a row in the COVID-19 ICU. And so many team members from Ballot Health talked about flexing, you know, having to work more or uh, work in different areas or go other places, you know, just where it was needed. And so um, all of those people have played such an important role in our response to COVID-19. And it was a privilege to be able to give them something real, um, something that gave them hope for the future. Well, I did read about that event at the Bristol Motor Speedway, so uh, good to hear that you were a part of that, and uh, and thank you for sharing 
your insight and observations. And your response actually is a nice segue to the next question, which is, we mentioned your work at Ballad, which is a multi-hospital health system serving Southwest Virginia and Northeast Tennessee. And over this fall and winter in particular, Ballad experienced a significant rise in hospitalizations and the, the overall region dealt with elevated case positivity rates, which place some strain on the health system and its team. And you just alluded to that and, and all of the really heroic work that, that your colleagues have done. Those numbers at Ballot coincided with rising case numbers and hospitalizations across Virginia. Thankfully, those numbers in the last week or two uh, at Ballot and across Virginia are now trending downward, which is a positive development. As a caregiver who's been working during the pandemic, what observations can you share about just the overall impact on the healthcare delivery system, on staff, and on the broader community? So, we have, as a healthcare system, um, had to make adjustments to lots, lots of things, honestly, but the one that I'm most familiar with the, is delivery of surgical services mm-hmm. because I'm working on process improvement driven to, you know, integrate enhanced recovery after surgery pathways for patients across the ballot health system. So that team has had an enormous amount of change and has had to flex and, you know, pause elective surgeries or pause certain types of surgeries depending on the uh, volume of COVID patients to mm-hmm. make sure that we have the team available to care for those patients. So, um, so I think that has been, you know, a big, a big thing, um, has made a big impact on our team members. And then we have heard from our team members who are working in the COVID units how emotionally exhausting that work is and how nothing could prepare them, you know, for what they have Nothing could prepare them for the amount of death or the amount of critically ill patients that they would take care of. So, you know, absolutely, I think this is something that will impact all of us as we go forward as healthcare providers, for sure. And, and of course, I don't, you know, want to leave out, I don't want to neglect to mention that my perspective is focused on, you know, nursing and quality improvement, but it takes the entire team and the entire team is affected by all of these changes and by all of the very critical needs of our COVID-19 patients. And for the vaccine clinics, you can see as well, not only with the patients that come through uh, from various aspects of healthcare, but also in the team that sets up those clinics and dedicates There's a whole team of professionals who dedicate themselves to making sure that process runs smoothly and effectively so that when those patients get to me, it's really just a vaccination. They've already been screened and registered, and they've got a place to go to be monitored as well. Well, it's well stated and and great perspective just on how much of a total team effort this is. And and also, I'm glad you mentioned that Ballad made the voluntary decision to suspend non-emergency scheduled procedures in many instances, which it's important to state has a real revenue impact on the financial bottom line of a health system. And many of our members have, have made these decisions at different points during the pandemic to respond. And that that's a sacrifice from an organizational perspective, but it's one that's done in order to respond to emerging public health needs like this COVID pandemic. So I appreciate you wrapping that all up for us. And now that we've tackled the serious stuff, Claire, I do have a few other questions for you to give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work that you do first. And this is an entirely imaginary premise. But if you could anticipate your final day on Earth, what would your last meal be? 
Um, okay, so I grew up vegetarian, and we had a dinner roast every holiday. It was uh, made by Worthington Foods. It's made out of soy, and it's supposed to taste like meat. And by golly, that is what I would pick. Okay. okay. <laughs> Does it taste like meat? No. <laughs> but it's still really delicious. Okay, fair enough. The next question for you, Claire, is what's the top item on your bucket list? Um, I would write a book. That About? Is, I, mm-hmm. I think I would write a memoir. Okay. Yeah. Perhaps with some uh, influences and anecdotes from your grandmother? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself occupied? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? Okay, so I know I'm probably supposed to say something, you know, very profound here, but um, I am a mom and my favorite movie, even if I wasn't a mom, it would probably still be my favorite movie. Um, it is Moana. Which is a fantastic okay. movie. And, and, uh, and I'm also a big fan of the Frozen 2 soundtrack, so that would be my pick for album. Okay. And, and book is a lot harder. Um, I really love, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, I have biographies from both of them that I absolutely love. Um, but it might, I might pick Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we appreciate you sharing those picks with us. And we also appreciate you taking some time to be with us today. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to thank our guest once again, Ballot Health Nurse Claire Marr, for joining us today and talking about her experiences vaccinating people for COVID-19. So thanks, Claire. Thank you for having me. 